This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 33. How often do you find yourself looking at an old piece at an estate sale, thrift store, or even on Marketplace, and you wonder if the piece is worth refinishing? Well, today we chat with the winners of the Zebra Collective Summer Contest on that topic and discuss their winning pieces. Ashley with Blue Ren Interiors shares a great refinishing tip, and we'll find out what Amberly with Redhead Redefine, Derek with The Grandson's Brush, and Katie with Salvage by K. Scott are working on in their studios this week. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. It is September, friends, and that means the summer vibes are quickly leaving us and fall is officially here. That also means that today we get to chat with the winners of our Zebra Collective Summer Contest. As always, we want to begin by thanking our judges and the effort they put into reviewing the hundreds of pieces each quarter. Courtney with Steel Birch Studios, Emily with 1379 Design, Jeannie with Blush Vintage, and Sarah with Olive and Fern. We also want to thank our prize sponsors for this quarter, Milk Paint by Fusion, RZ Mask, Melange Paints, 1379 Design, and and zebra paintbrushes. Now let's hear from our winners. We have Angie with Picked and Poshed winning first place, Rebecca with the Woodland Studio taking second, and Fabby with Blush and Ivy Design winning third. Congratulations, refinishing winners. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's nice to have all three of you on for sure. So here we are, the first day of fall. Who is excited for fall or who is sad to be leaving summer? <laughs> I'm super excited for fall. Yes, I am here for it, too. What about you, Rebecca? I love fall. It's my favorite season. Yeah. I got married in fall. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, that's nice. Yeah, it is a beautiful season. Uh, I don't know how you guys have experienced falls in the past, but it seems like here in the south, the falls are rather short. Have you guys found that to be true? Well, I live in California, so (laughs) our weather pretty much stays the same all year. Yeah, it's just the time of year for you, isn't it? It's yeah. not necessarily a change. <laughs> right. In Ontario, we have all the seasons, but I find, found over the past 15 years, they're getting shorter and shorter, spring and fall. That's exactly the way it is here. And I, and I do. I mean, fall and, and spring are so wonderful. I mean, it seems like the temperatures, low humidity, temperatures are just so nice. And the spring flowers, and of course, the fall leaves, it's just you want them to go on a whole lot longer than what they do. Well, speaking of weather, let's find out where each of you are from and get a weather report. Angie, let's start with you. You live outside of Louisville? Yes, yes, in southern Indiana, just like 10 minutes across the bridge from Louisville. The town is New Albany? Yes, yes. Um, Pretty much lived here most of my life. I always said I was going to get out of this town, and I moved like five miles away, and I've always just come back. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a big liar, I guess. So here I am. (laughs) Now, when I look at uh, New Albany on the map, it looks like it's like right on the Ohio River. Yes, yes. It's in New Albany downtown. It is right there on the river. You can walk down along the river. I bet mm-hmm. that's pretty. Yeah, it is. It's nice. So you haven't moved out of that area. So what do you like so much about living there? I don't really know that I do. <laughs> But I've really never felt like I had the opportunity to get away. And so I've just always been here. But now that I'm older, I've grown to love it. So I do, you know, it's just so familiar to me and it's home. So and all my family live here. There's something about, I mean, it is neat. There's two different sides of the coin, right? Like moving away into a new area and experiencing new things. But then there's also something about having grown up in an area and living there all your life. Because it's like the old Cheers episode, you know, where everybody knows your name. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you're really good friends with Sarah with Sitting Pretty Home Decor, and she recently moved. Are you, is that closer to you or further from you? No, it's further. She used to live like 35 minutes away, and now it's just over an hour away. So, but I have gotten to see her house. I helped her move in, and it's glorious. So I'm really happy for her even though I'm sad for me because I don't see her as often. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, it's interesting to hear you say that about our house because it is really pretty. It's so unique. I mean, it's just so much character to it. Absolutely. So what's your weather like? Are you getting into the fall weather now or are you still warm? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, we're getting a tease because it's in the seventies right now. I'm sure it's going to go back up eighties, nineties, but I'll take it this week. It's supposed to be in the seventies and, I'm not mad about it. 
because I feel like winter <laughs> gets here way too quick. So I'm exactly. just, you know, I'll take it, every hint of it. It's, it's a good day. I'm glad you're having good weather. Well, Rebecca, you are one of our Canadian friends. We love you guys. Mrs. Saga, I think. Yeah. <laughs> did I say that correctly? Yeah, you did. Uh, if it's easier to, to imagine, I'm, I'm right beside Toronto. Very close, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so how far are you from Toronto? Um, on a good drive without traffic, uh, 20 minutes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Toronto is such a cool city. Now, do you do you get a lot of your pieces from Toronto, or is it primarily in, in your own hometown of Mississauga? Yeah, all over. There's a lot of really cool Instagram pages like Stooping Toronto where people post things they see on the side of the road. Mm. And so it's about, it's about luck sometimes to drive in to see if something will be there, but that's really cool because then it's free. Um, otherwise, through different outlets like Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, Mississauga, Oakville, Brampton, all those cities surrounding me. So, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that gives you a, a broad-based clientele, too, I bet, uh, from your hometown all the way into Toronto. Uh, that's that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your weather like? Uh, well, uh, it was quite rainy, but now that I'm looking out the window, it seems like it's settled and seeing a bit of sunlight. So it's very damp and musky, so I can't really paint, unfortunately, today, but generally it's been good. Well, hopefully you'll have a, a really beautiful extended fall coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fabi, we're covering the map today from Canada all the way, all the way beyond Indiana. Now we're in California. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us where you live in California. So I live in Covina, California, which is about 20 minutes away from downtown Los Angeles. Yes, and Fabi has a wonderful shop that she runs with her family, correct? I do. I do. Uh -huh. And I recently started a luxury picnic service as well. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I've noticed that on your Instagram account. I mean, you got some beautiful shots. Thank uh, you. Tell us quickly, how does that work? Um, so basically, um, I just have like people contact me and they want to set up like a romantic um, date night or like a bridal shower. Uh, we've done proposals and then we just go out to whatever spot they choose and we set up like a really beautiful like boho themed um, picnic. And um, it's not like your typical picnic. It's like with flatware and um, linen napkins. It's like, you know, <clears throat> this completely chic setup. So, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Been doing it for about a month now, and uh, keeps me busy on the weekends. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and here all this time, I just thought Fabi had a lot of time on her hands and was having some phenomenal picnics. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really are quite beautiful. Now, I, I don't know if that's common out in California. Was this like a totally? Is this a new thing, or is this kind of common? Yeah, so it's like a newer thing. I would say, okay, so initially I had wanted to start this about a year and a half ago, I want to say. And then, um, we, you know, we opened the stores, so that kind of got put on the back burner. But um, it is a new trend that just uh, started about, I want to say about a year and a half ago, yeah. Um, and it's all over, all over the nation. Um, you can find uh, pop-up picnics everywhere now. Man, I guess I've just been too busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Angie and Rebecca, have you guys heard of these pop-up picnics in your areas? I personally have not. Uh, I have seen a lot of pictures on Instagram, but and then Fabby's, and they are phenomenal, Fabby. I love them. Uh, and that is a great idea, but uh, I don't know anybody in this area that's doing those. Rebecca, what about you up in Canada? Do you guys have pop-up picnics up there? I have never heard of this and while we were taking that mini break i quickly looked at your instagram oh my gosh they those those are gorgeous i can totally see all the bloggers wanting to get their hands on this beautiful picnic so i'm like wow that would be such a cool idea to introduce here but the weather is so finicky i can imagine this must be nice where you are because it's sort of consistent yes yes that's a good thing about California is that um, our weather pretty much stays the same. 
Yeah, maybe you could just come up with some of those uh, pop-up tents to go with pop-up picnics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, we are actually looking into like these clear domes that they have now. And so we'll be introducing those as well. I've seen those domes. People do yoga in them. Aren't those so cute? Oh my gosh. I I can't even imagine and do it under the stars. It's like... Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That would be amazing. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll have to look those up. I've not seen those. Oh yeah. They're super cool. It's like literally a clear dome. They're really cool. Yeah. They really introduced them during the whole, uh, you know, COVID thing to just keep social distancing, but still have yoga. Yeah. And they're clear so you can see through them and people can see you, right? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, you, you'll definitely have to add that. And then, Rebecca, maybe that's something you can start up in, uh, up in Ontario. <laughs> Seriously. Yo, I, I was so inspired by your page. I'm like, wow, that would be so cool to do. So oh, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, you just, if you did it in the wintertime, you'd have to have the dome, and then you'd have to have some kind of little heater in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know if I'd want to do winter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably taking a little too far, I think. <laughs> It might melt the dome. I think we should go back to furniture finishing and let Fabi take, <laughs> take be the expert on the pop-up thing next. I'll kind of shut my trap on that. Well, let, let's do get back to your winning pieces. Fabi, you won third place on this beautiful pink desk. You not only painted it pink, but you also incorporated some creative elements, which I'm not surprised. Why don't you describe it to our listeners so they know what it looks like? And then share the details of how you achieve this fabulous look. So I have the um, pink campaign. I, I think that I said that right. The camp yeah. It's a campaign desk. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I had a pink campaign desk. So I wanted to do something super bright, which is a little, um, I do a lot of funky colors, but you know, the bright pink is something that is a little different for me to do. Um, so I'm like, you know what, I'll just do it. I can't remember what color, uh, what the name of the color is, but it is the hot pink by Pink Couture. And, um, and so I painted the entire, uh, desk. And then I also added, um, like a taped pattern to the front of the drawers. Um, but it's not like a contrasting color. It is, um, a contrast in different, uh, top coat sheens. Mm-hmm. So, um, it gave it like a glossy, type of striped look in the front and um and then i also added some redesign with prima transfers on the sides of the drawers to complement the hot pink so um it was just a fun piece all the way around um and no detail was spared when (laughs) when i worked on this piece i literally touched every single uh piece and tried to add a little bit of extra to every single uh corner of this desk now your idea with um adding the pattern with the top coat um contrast did that come after you started working on it or was that your part of your plan all along um it was part of my plan all along yeah Yeah. i um i you know i i love to add a little makes everything just a little different and so um i wanted to kind of give it you know something that would stand out and so it was already such a fun bright piece yeah it's interesting because when you look at refinishing different styles of furniture you know, this campaign style is pretty simplistic, but it does have a lot of that brass on it. And, you know, I guess, I don't know if you guys go through this process, but, you know, wonder if like, if you ever do too much, you know, where it becomes too busy, but what you added there really is just such a nice touch and it's not too loud at all. I mean, it has such a subtle effect to it. It was really, really nice. Thank you. Now, this obviously wasn't a commission piece, I would assume. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and did, did you sit on this very long? I mean, I would think it would sell pretty quickly because of its uniqueness. Um, um, yeah, it took about a month to sell. Um, I did have a lot of inquiries right off the bat because, again, it was such a fun piece. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it took about a month to sell, so not too bad. I guess. I guess as we've discussed on the podcast before, that's not abnormal. Anytime you step out of neutrals, uh, sometimes you have to sit on pieces a little bit longer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And did you have to do anything to the hardware? I just um, brightened it up a little bit with some, um, I like to use like this brass colored spray paint. Um, Uh I forget. It's by Rust-Oleum, but um, they have, you know, they have several golds, but there's one that's like actual like brass looking one. And that's the one that I I used for that. Now, when you 
spray uh, hardware like that, is there also a top coat or is there, is there a top coat in the spray? Um, I top coat them. Okay. It's yeah, just one just, time? Yeah, just one time just to make sure that, um, you know, that the gold is going to stay. Yeah, because I guess the, obviously this goes without saying the hardware is the most used and most touched place on the furniture and you want it to really last. Exactly. So how would you describe your style, Fabi? You know what? I um, <laughs> That's a funny <laughs> question you asked that. Um, you know, I, I look at my page and... Um, I was like, wow, you know, it, my, you know, it, things have really changed, right? My personal style um, has always been just, I love very simple, um, minimal, neutral wood tones. Like that's literally my style in my home and um, just like in everything really. Um, but um, <laughs> with my pieces, um, I would say that they're just fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you know, I, like I said, I like to try to add a little surprise to every single piece, um, just to try to make them stand out a little more, you know, um, you know, I always like to say, because, you know, life is too short to have boring furniture. So, um, but here I am in my home <laughs> with the most, uh, <laughs> the most like, you know, give me all the creams and, you know, all of the light wood tones like that's what I like you know but um as far as like what I produce to sell I would say that my style is um fun and detail oriented I'm gonna yeah. go with that <laughs> well, I bet your shop you know speaking of color with those themes I bet your shop is uh if you're depressed it's good to go in your shop I bet you get upbeat and excited <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, what's so funny, though, is that I keep the furniture pieces in the back because I don't want them to distract from my boho vibe in the front. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole front of the store is literally just like all neutrals. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you have a really bright backside of your shop. Then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's probably glowing when people drive by. Like, Man, I got to get to the back. Something's going right. on back there. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a really lovely piece, Fabi. Congratulations on winning third. Share your Instagram account or any other social media venues that you'd like to share with our listeners. You guys can find me on all social uh, media platforms under Blush and Ivy Design. Um, everything hits TikTok and Pinterest first. So if you want to see like my videos, um, that's where you'll find them first. Rebecca, you took an old drabby desk and made it into a bright and cheery focal point for any room. Congratulations. <laughs> Describe it and share the details. Um, thank you. Uh, so this was actually a commission piece. Um, someone found me on Facebook um, when I was actually selling another piece. They saw my work and they asked, you know, can you paint this for me? I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to do a secretary desk. Um, I just was so nervous because, you know, if I were to do it on my own, what color should it be? Would it sell? I find it really hard to sell um, stuff here. So um, when she told me she wanted something bright with yellow and browns, um, I decided to go with fresh mustard, um, which is the pink color, and then vanilla frosting um, to complement it. And the whole design process actually was a back and forth, back and forth with her uh, because, you know, she wanted it to complement other pieces in her room, and I had to get pictures of what the other pieces were in the room and think about, you know, what would be the best way to put this together. Mm -hmm. But then um, she was also questioning, you know, what can I have on the inside? And I was thinking, oh, we need something funky in the background, something unique, something that's just going to pop out at you when you open it. Because you, you do have the bright yellow, which is beautiful, but then when you just open it up and you have like the white vanilla frosting and then just this like really fun thing in the back. So I was perusing and perusing different types of you know, peel and stick wallpapers and, you know, I just needed a small piece. So I'm like, I don't want to have to charge her. I actually commissioned my sister to paint that for me, like that backdrop. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's an actual, like, she's very, very artistic in our family. She actually does drawing. So I said, you know, I really like this. I could do it, but, you know, you want to do it for me? And she's like, okay. So it was actually a joint effort for her to do all those leaves and stuff like that. Um, and we did a lot of color mixing. Pulling this together, 
This was a, a great learning experience, and especially with vintage desks, those um, you know the the drop hinges. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that was a nightmare because one side was missing, and trying to find drop hinges in the Canada is like impossible. <laughs> Everything's in the states. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it was it was so fun, and um, and the hardware, getting that hardware. I searched and searched and debated about things, and I perchanced at Value Village and found that hardware, a whole bundle for $3. I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome. And then it fit, I think it fit perfectly. I really think the dark, like that, like medium brown contrasted against the vanilla frosting with the yellow was like perfect. So I was like, this is amazing. Now, so you was it a good experience with your client in this process? Was it because you, you said you said a lot of back and forth? Uh, how what was that experience like? Um, actually, uh, it was it was quite pleasant. Um, it was I one thing I always tell my clients is that um, especially with commissions that it's it's a flowing process. Um, things aren't always concrete, and um, it's okay to go with the ebb and flow as the piece sort of speaks to you and works with you because you can have a goal and mission and then these little one-offs can happen with the piece and you're like, oh, this is here, this is that, oh, i got to fix this or maybe reconsider that. So luckily, a lot of the clients that I've worked with were very easygoing, uh, knock on wood. <laughs> so it was really nice, um, but it's hard when you're doing everything online. So I had to like take videos and pictures and show her and then she had to respond back and then Sometimes there'll be delays because she's a working woman. So, you know, she's not always on social media or like on Facebook Messenger. So that's the hard part, that having that patience to just, okay, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Walk away and wait for her to respond. So you mentioned the challenge that you had with the hinges. Did you have any other issues, like any structural issues that you had to spend time repairing? Yes, the... You know, when you open the secretary desk, I don't even know what it's called, like those those shelves in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to be really mindful because there was some areas where I had to re-glue and re-nail like nail in and um, screw in just to make sure that it all stabilized. Um, but other than that, the piece was in really good shape. Well, I, I can't imagine that she wasn't extremely pleased with the results. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was pleased. And I think it also makes clients feel happy about their decisions and what they bought when other people comment. And the amount of people that were just mesmerized by the piece, I just kept sending her like what people said. So I think that really boosts the client's confidence in the decision they made. So it was all around really good. Yeah, and you'll definitely have to let her know this piece won an award. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the icing on the cake. It is. Describe your style for us, Rebecca. You know, I was listening to what you were what you were saying before about that, and I'm like, oh, what is my style? Um, I I don't know. I'm all over the place. I mean, I generally like safe, like neutrals, and but then it's exciting to do something with a pop of color. It's just so nerve-wracking if somebody will appreciate it as much as I do. So I guess I could say neutrals um, and pieces that are, like, more more trending um, Mm -hmm. is, I guess, my style. I don't know. It's so hard for me to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) And as many people say, that sometimes changes. It kind of evolves over time, especially as you continue to grow as a refinisher and, and dive into new areas. You know, you develop new interests. Yeah, yeah. Great job, Rebecca, and congratulations on winning second. Share your Instagram account or any social media venues that you'd like to share with your listeners. Um, yeah, so my Instagram is t.woodlands.studio. Um, I'm also on TikTok. Um, I'm on Pinterest. I have my website, woodlandstudio.ca, so you can also see some of my work there. Angie won first place. This piece screams summer sunshine for sure. (laughs) For those of you who are new listening friends, I have to tell you that I already know a little bit about this piece as Angie was on a previous podcast sharing about this very piece as she won third place in the April Zebra Review. Well, Angie, let's get back into this piece a few months later. Describe it to our listeners (laughs) and tell us all about your refinishing process. 
Okay, so I found this piece. It was actually painted black. And normally I don't buy painted furniture because it's a lot of work to strip it. Uh, but it was it's mid-mod. I was mesmerized because I'm really into mid-century modern furniture right now. So I bought it and brought it home. And I knew I wanted to do something different, but I had no idea what. I didn't know if I wanted to stencil so I just I just keep walking past it after I strip the strip the finish uh, with a heat gun and get to that wood. And actually, the top was in great shape, which isn't always, you know, very often. So I was thrilled with that. So I knew I wanted to keep the top wood and I was trying to figure out what other element to add, knowing I wanted to do that. I I did what any normal person would do and painted a sunshine on it. said no one ever um but no i just i knew i wanted color and i knew i wanted pastels so i decided to um do the little pencil trick where you make can make an arch with the pencil you you hold a string with the pencil and you can make an arch i'm a terrible explainer but so i got half an arch on the bottom and that became my son and then I used painter's tape to separate um, what I knew would be the colors. I just didn't know what colors. I didn't know if I wanted a mustard colored sunshine or a vibrant yellow or what to do. So I took a bunch of samples. I have a ton of paint. So I took a bunch of samples and put it on a piece of uh, probably a cardboard or something until I got the colors I liked and just painted them all on there and I make it sound really easy, but I, it took a few coats of each and it took a few days and, and me critiquing and thinking, you know, oh, is this okay? And then once I got it all together, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And talk about the little, uh, the throw that you have next to it. That's almost the same colors. A, a scarf. Yes. After, um, I, I don't know if I already had that scarf or not, but I always I always go thrifting and I love to find scarves to pop in for texture on my pieces for staging. So I found the scarf and it's in colors and I love colorful stuff. So I bought it and it just went perfect. So I was staging it with a plant, I think maybe. I don't remember the staging of that one, but I just knew I draped the scarf there and it kind of popped with the color. So it was just a happy surprise, really. Yeah, I suspect a lot of people look at that and said, I bet you she derived her colors from that scarf. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is interesting how close uh, the color match that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the the reds that you have on the piece, there's um, two reds on the left and then there's two reds above. And you can't always tell with color uh, the colors on monitors and, and phones. Sometimes there's some uh, changes and alterations in colors as far as accuracy. But are those the same colors? They look like there's a little bit different. Is one or- more of an orange and one's red? Yep. Mm-hmm. One's more of a like a mauvish and the other one's more of like a terracotta. So they're just slightly off, but I thought it made just the right different tone for it that I was going for. Yeah. Yeah, it has a neat balance. The positioning of the colors in the rays of the sun uh, from the left to the right, uh, it's it's neat how that balances out really nicely. Mm-hmm. I was happy with it. Now, what about top coats? When you finish a piece like this, obviously you want to protect it. What do you, did you use wax or did you use top coats? I will tell you what I am in love with now. I've, I've used waxes in the past, but I always end up with like a smeary, I'm just not happy with waxes and polys. I feel like sometimes I overwork the poly and I get brush strokes. So I have been using wise owl salve and I am in love with it. You can put it on just wood or on painted pieces and it is amazing. So that's what I'm using now. And it's my favorite. Now, when you put that wise owl salve down, do you have to put a couple coats? Like, how long does it take to, to, to yeah, settle in? Yeah, it takes in? longer to cure than, like, a wax would. So mm-hmm. you you initially, you just use shop towels to wipe off the excess because it does, it's kind of a cross between a wax with hemp oil. So mm-hmm. it does have a little, uh, tends to seem like it's greasy as it's penetrating. And then a couple days later, you go back with a lint-free cloth 
and it leaves the best sheen and there's no streaks. And it's, to me, it's just perfect. It's the perfect balance that I have been looking for. So mm. well, sometimes it takes a while to get, uh, to get what you want. At a... <laughs> yeah, for sure. What was the deal on this piece? So you did this very creative design on it. Did it, did you sit on it a while or did you sell it pretty quickly? No, I had a lot of interest in it because when you paint a, a sunshine on a piece, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to want it on a piece of furniture. So, but I got a lot of interest on that one and I sewed it within probably 12 hours of listing it. So I was super thankful. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it was a fun piece and it was just like the perfect size to put that kind of sun on. So it just worked out. Yeah. Uh, but the, have you seen pictures of it in in its uh, home place? No, no, I would love to, but I don't. And I, I, I when I dropped it off because we delivered it, I told her she could send me one if she wanted to, but she didn't. So I don't want to be a creeper and be like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> well, so. what you what you could do is say, "Just just want to let you know this piece has won uh, a couple of awards here." <laughs> I'd yeah, like to see I it thought I place. might do that. I thought I might just tell her about the awards thing, and then if she wanted to send me a picture. Yeah, you should, because that's uh, I think anybody who buys a custom piece like this that uh, you know, and I I would say, really technically all refinished work is custom, you know, uh, because you, it's, it's not, uh, you're not going to find another one like it, even if it's a neutral piece because it's hand done. Uh, mm-hmm. I would think that they would, they would be eager to, to learn that. Right. Why don't you describe your style for us? I feel like it's, if I did the pieces I would prefer to do, because sometimes I do neutrals, you know, hopes for a quick sell because I need to make money, obviously. But if I stay true to myself, I'd say colorfully uh, eclectic. Mm. Well, that's a good good way to put it. You, you know, you mentioned earlier, real quick, you said that uh, you really love the MCM. Do you find it hard to, to locate MCMs uh, where you live? Yes. And uh, people on Marketplace, they know what they have, and it's really expensive. So I always try to look out at the thrift stores. Yeah, I, it's funny because I've noticed that too. We just had a podcast uh, recently on that topic about how difficult it is to find pieces really under hundred, below a hundred dollars on marketplace. It's more challenging. But I have noticed that MCM stuff is extremely expensive. It's like mm-hmm. three and four times more than other stuff. And I think I got lucky with this, and I actually bought the matching chest of drawers at the thrift store, which is it's not common to find both. But I only bought them because they were mid-century, and even though they were black, I was like, oh, I know what I could do with those. Well, I knew I could do something fun. So, yeah, it was yeah. definitely a great purchase. And I was, I went, actually, I saw them, and then I went home, and I kept thinking about them. And <laughs> the next day, I called, <laughs> and I was like, do you saw it? And they did. So we ran up there, my husband and I, and picked them both up because I knew what, you know, they could be something really great. So. We're certainly glad you uh, picked those up. It's been fun to see uh, this piece and see all the awards it's won. Congratulations on winning first place, Angie. Beautiful creation. Share your social media venues for our listeners. On Instagram and Facebook, I am Picked and Poshed. I'm currently working on a website, but it's not up yet. Very good. Hey guys, this is Sarah with Sitting Pretty Home Decor, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. Zebra brushes are absolutely incredible. Whether you're a furniture painter, a DIYer, a home renovator, zebra brushes are an absolute must-have. My husband always says that I have a champagne taste on a beer budget, and these brushes fit that bill perfectly. They give you an incredible finish, whatever you're painting, whatever medium you're using, and they're super affordable. My favorite currently is the two inch angled stubby. It has a short handle, which I love. The bristles are the perfect thickness and you can paint an entire piece of furniture, trim, doors, whatever it is. Um, It's kind of an all encompassing brush, but they do have a very wide array of shapes and sizes for whatever project you're working on.
It's time for our Zebra panel discussion. We've heard from many of you regarding our panel discussions and how much you love them. I think I know why. I step back a bit and allow the refinishers to just have an enjoyable conversation amongst themselves on a refinishing topic. It's kind of like good friends getting together for a nice cup of tea or coffee, and you, the listeners, feel like you're a part of it, and you glean so much from hearing your finishers chat. Well, today's topic among our summer collective winners is one everyone will identify with. The topic is how to determine if a piece is worth refinishing. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to our friends on the panel. Okay, I can start. Um, actually, it was I proposed this question in the chat group, and... Um, I really started to think about it. I'm like, how can I best support listeners? And nothing is better, I guess, from personal experience or your own anecdotal scenarios. And so um, I actually can quickly tell a story from a perspective where I learned from the mistake of um, determining if something's worth refinishing. When I first started out this whole refinishing gig, um, I was really new to it. I learned as you s- beginners usually just go out and buy everything or they don't really think about, you know, oh, what will happen if I actually take this piece on? And so I really liked mid-century modern styles or that sort of modern style. And I saw this piece on Marketplace and it was 90 bucks and I was like, oh, I must have it. I must have it. And so I went and got it. And when I brought it home, I realized that it was definitely not even close to being an antique. (laughs) It was actually quite recently made. It was sort of like akin to something like Ikea style, you know, with those hinges and like the little turning knobs to like make sure everything sticks together. And when you sort of sway it, it sort of shifts under the weight. Mm -hmm. So I had it sit in my garage for the past... 10 months and I finally just pulled it out and I'm redoing it. And there's just, it's so, um, I don't know. It's like, it it feels like something where if I were to resell it, I don't even, even despite the effort I put in, I don't want to resell it at a high price because I feel like I'm maybe going to take away from, from somebody's like budget. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it feels like it's not worth more than, um, the price that I would generally sell items at. And so even though I put hours into this, I may only make my money back that I put in, hardly making a profit off it, and I wouldn't feel comfortable selling it. And so long story short, basically, what is worth reselling is when you're thinking about that in the future now and I'm looking at pieces, I need to actually examine it properly and look at, you know, is this actually wood or is this MDF? And the sway test, you know, when you touch a piece of furniture, you can actually like just put your hand on it and move it around and see, oh, does this, does this shift under the weight of my hand? And if it does, then you can think, okay, now I need to look closer at it. Is this MDF or is this just antique where I need to maybe re-glue it? And if it's MDF, okay, is this worth me putting in the effort? Because is it, and in the end, is the customer going to be happy or in two years from now, it's going to fall apart like most other pieces that are modeling made fall apart. So, yeah, I learned a lot from this experience. And now I know going forward uh, to stay, for me personally, to stay clear of those types of um, pieces that are on Marketplace. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's really important to do like the uh, little test to make sure that it's structurally sound. That is like a big, big factor for me when I'm choosing my pieces. I always make sure that they're structurally sound um, because, like you said, I mean, sometimes you can't repair those um, those issues. And I've also run into um, situations like that back when I first, first started refinishing that I was so excited to get the piece home and, um, and it just was not what I thought it was going to be. And um, it just turned out to be like a waste. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the feeling I have right now. I'm like, darn yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I, I need to make this at least salvageable so I can sell it, but I don't personally feel comfortable asking person more than what it's worth because yeah, it's, it's not going to last forever. Maybe you can just, um, don't do any work on it and just sell it for what you paid for it. Just get rid of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, For me, I, you know, I, I always like to um, just make sure that they're structurally sound. Um, I'm not really too, um, I usually try to do like, obviously like, you know, anything that's older. Um, but I don't like, let's say for instance, that I found something on the side of the road that still looked like it had life and it was, um, structurally sound. I'll still, um, recycle it and, you know, try to give it a little longer of a life, you know, just, um, because some pieces are salvageable, you know, um, even mm-hmm. if they are newer for me anyway, um, especially like the ones that I find off the, you know, the side of the road, like if I can save something from heading to the landfill, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. yeah. Yeah. And actually when you talk about that and if a piece is worth refinishing and if it's salvageable, I actually got from again stooping Toronto, there was this dresser and it looked really cool from the outside, looked really solid. The sway test was perfect. Brought it home, pulled out the drawers, and I don't know what was on the side of these drawers, but it looked like they make like they bent metal to make sliders. And it was just like I when I pulled everything out, I'm like, I can't resell this. This is this is gonna be horrible. And I thought, oh my gosh, like what do I do with this? I don't want to waste it. And then I just sort of Googled how to repurpose old dressers. And then I saw all these people turning dressers into like, um, like cat beds or into like a dress up station for kids. So I completely removed all of these weird metal railings, repainted the whole inside, rebuilt a cushion, rebuilt a drawer. And it became like a, either a cat bed where you could put storage in or like if somebody wanted it, it can be like a dress up station for a kid. If I put like a railing on the inside and they can hang their clothes. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. I actually have a picture of it on my Instagram. There's a picture with my cat on it sleeping, but I thought, Oh, this is, Oh, I'm going to have to look at that. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really cute. (laughs) And so it's like, Oh, it's so cute. It's like, you know, is it worth refinishing? Uh, Sometimes, you know, you can take something and, completely change it and make it not what its purpose is and then it is worth refinishing so it's it's about you know how much time and effort do you want to put into something i guess so true um i don't know another thing i was thinking about is if it's worth refinishing is to consider your skill level what do you guys think or ladies that's think? true <laughs> yes absolutely mm-hmm. definitely don't want to take on something that maybe you're not as experienced in for instance like stripping something that was previously painted that is um that's a huge task Uh, you know angie you know (laughs) it is it is yes yes that's why i actually did one years and years ago and it required so much stripping i vowed i would never buy another painted piece but then (laughs) you get i feel like there's a furniture shortage so it's like gosh, you know, you want to try to really look at these pieces and see because, you know, what's on marketplace can be really expensive. So that's why I revisited. I'm like, okay, I'll take on the painted piece. But yeah, it has to be worth your effort for sure. Yes. It has to have those good bones there. I know I brought, I like to go to the thrift store to find them because sometimes people on marketplace, they'll think they're in great shape. Then you might go to their homes and it's it's not what you thought it was and you feel compelled to buy it because you're staying yes. right there. So I like to go to the thrift store where I can pull all the drawers out and make sure everything is how it should be because, you know, I don't know how to do a lot of repairs on the inside, like the guts with the rails and all that. So I mm-hmm. like to make sure they're in pretty good order before I break them home to start on something. That makes sense. I'm also a big um, on getting my furniture at the thrift store. Um, I very rarely buy furniture, you know, from people off of marketplace, especially out here. Um, everything is like really overpriced on marketplace. So I steer clear of that. I do a lot of estate sales. That's where we're going right now, too. Yeah, I do. I found mm-hmm. a lot of, I find like um, estate sales. I do like online auctions. Like those have been really good for me lately. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. And I also, yeah. And then I also have a friend that sells, um, he sells a lot of mid-century modern furniture. Um, and so like, I'll get pieces from him. And I always know that his stuff is like great quality because he, you know, oh, checks yeah. it out. But Yeah. Right, right. That's good. You got a contact that'll help you out with that. Yes. Yeah, and I met him way back when, when I first started refinishing. So it's been really cool to have that connection. Yeah, you ladies all make really good points about the skill level, right? 
And I was also thinking, you know, like, what are you, like you mentioned, like, what are you comfortable fixing or mending in broken areas? Like, have you ever re-glued just say the bottom of the drawer or fixed a railing? And if you haven't done it, or you have to think to yourself, am I willing to take on learning a new skill right now? Do I have the time to do it? <laughs> right. You know, when you're thinking right. about the, the time, piece, right? All the other projects in the garage waiting for your attention. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, I've replaced drawer bottoms before. I've replaced railing. I've done pretty much everything. I will say that for me, something that um, I'm not very good at yet and I have to get better at is uh, replacing veneer. I've done one where I replaced the veneer on it and I got like some bubbles. So I have to try to figure out how to fix and master that. But um, I'm pretty much comfortable with, um, with uh, <laughs> most repairs. I've never done veneer. Well, speaking of that example then, um, about the veneer and you said the bubbles came up and we're talking about, you know, is it worth refinishing? Like, how do you feel about that experience that, you know, you're like, oh, darn it, there's bubbles now and I have to go back on it. Like, do you, do you feel any like regret about <laughs> making that decision or do you feel like great learning experience or a bit of both? Oh my gosh. Um, is burn it an option? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, you know, it's like one of those things where you put in so much effort, like, you know, you have this vision in your head and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make it look amazing. And then everything's going great. And then you start seeing like bubbles in the veneer and, and everywhere you read online, like it's so easy to do. And, and then I'm thinking to myself, well, what did I do wrong? Like, why wasn't it so easy for me? Um, so for right now, I think right now I'm a little, I'm a bit, you know, gonna, I'm going to stay away from trying to replace any, any veneer. I know my limits. and I think that that's going to be, <laughs> you know, somewhere where I'm not going to be revisiting anytime soon. <laughs> so you're saying know your limits play within it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. From a, from a furniture perspective, not from a gambling perspective. <laughs> and actually, that made me think about, you know, with the veneer and all that. Uh, another thing I was thinking about is if it's worth refinishing is, do you have all the tools required to refinish the item? Right? Like to take that into consideration if for, for someone who's thinking about a piece? like Definitely. I, I think you definitely need to make sure that you have all the tools that you need. Um, yeah. And to budget for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because recently I had, I saw some chairs, oh no, I had this piece, sorry, and I had really fine corners and I can't get my orbital sander in there. So then I had to go out and buy like, uh, like this Ryobi sort of, I don't know, some kind of like uh, sander that can go into really tight corners. Mm -hmm. But then that's like a $70 expense and oh like, ugh. And it's like, you know, you have to think about those things. Like, can I, do I have the budget for this right now? when you're thinking about refinishing. That is so true. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know I already touched on this, but I was thinking about, we talked about the quality, you know, you have to make a decision if you want to work with something that's MDF or not, or, you know, and yeah, I think for me, um, it's fine. Just as long as, if, as long as it's structurally sound and there's not like too much damage to it, you know, cause the MDF can be a little hard. Like, um, like if there's bubbles, you know, um, you know, if moisture has gotten in it, um, yeah, you can repair it with Bondo, but it's, it can be a little tricky. So, um, I think for me, I try to, if I'm going to do like an MDF piece, like it, it should probably be in more of like a better condition as opposed to something that's going to need like a ton of work, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Um, as, yeah. Like as far as like, but you know, cause usually like that kind of stuff, like sometimes the drawers are a little you know, funky. Um, I, I don't mind that part so much. It's just like, um, you know, cause you can't really sand those pieces, you know? So, um, I try to just make sure that like on the outside, it's just like minimal, like wear and tear. But, but for the most part for me, um, I'm, you know, going after like just solid wood, but you know, like Angie had mentioned, it is a little hard right now to find furniture, um, pieces, even at the thrift stores, buy thrift stores, they don't have very much furniture in there anymore like they used to. And um, it just seems like within the last year, um, the furniture, I don't know where it's going. It's not very much, there's not very much available for us, refinishers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of, like, I guess your concern where you are is not enough affordable pieces. 
where I am, there's so many affordable pieces, but then people don't want to necessarily pay for work that a refinisher does, like to have those those price prices. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if this is anecdotal, but I, I've seen a lot of refinishers like yourself and artists that in the States or where you where you live, you can get more sales. Is that true? Uh, I think I, I, I will, I think things are, cha have changed a bit in the last year. I don't know if Angie, if that it's the same for you. Um, but out here where I'm at, um, things have slowed down a little bit for us out here in California. I'll say that, um, as far as, oh, wow. um, I think that the, okay, I'll just say this. I, um, I feel that ever since the pandemic hit, a lot of people have taken on a new hobby of refinishing furniture and maybe now trying to turn it into like a business. And um, here in California, I can only speak to for California. Um, the market <laughs> is a bit saturated um, with uh, pieces that are being refinished, not necessarily mm -hmm. by professional refinishers, but just by people who are like um, doing it as a hobby and um, um, pricing the, their pieces very, very low. So, um, yes. you know, uh, I don't know if that makes sense or if any of you guys have experienced that, but I've yes. seen like full yes. sets of like, yeah, like I'll see like a dresser and two nightstands, like the whole entire set freshly painted. Now, I don't know, you know, the quality of work that's being done, but like I'll literally see these sets for like $150 and I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, like, you know, oh my goodness. <laughs> so that's like, that's yeah. a great point. Like when you're thinking of a piece, if it's worth refinishing, it's like, you know, uh, the resale value on it, you know, exactly, um, especially with the market like and I think that's why it's important to me uh, personally. Like, I'll do a neutral piece, and oddly enough, they'll they'll sit a while. But then I'll do one of my really unique ones, and it'll sell quickly. And wow. now that you say that, Fabi, it's probably because the marketplace is saturated with all these, you know, new furniture painters in our areas mm -hmm. with much lower prices. So right, and that's the thing I'm concerned about with like pricing because. When you, I like, I actually put a stopwatch when I'm working on something to see how many hours I've actually went into a piece. And um, sometimes it could be 15, 20 hours. And then if I, I see people selling at $200 and then I calculate, you're making $5 an hour when you really put, like, when you really write it down, right? When you think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, my work is worth so much more, but then I have to think about, the market that's happening, like the saturation and, and what people are pricing it at. And I have to think to myself, you know, is this worth refinishing if I'm putting so much effort and then I have to sell it at such a low price to compete with everyone else, but then I'm literally working <laughs> at, at, at measly pennies an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those are things to think about, I think, as, as a novice or someone who's refinishing is, you know, to yeah. do a sort of market analysis, I guess, or to think about those things. Yeah, I think it's really important to really, really make sure that you are aware of how many hours you're spending working on every single piece. And I feel just price your pieces according to the amount of work that you've done. Um, and don't undervalue yourself, you know, um, your work, yes. you know, it's worth what you feel it's worth. And, um, for me, I see all these people, like they post everything super low. I have always kept my pricing the same. You know, if it does, if it takes a little longer to sell and so be it, I'm not going to just, uh, I'm not really in it just to like flip it for a quick buck. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to make sure that people are, understand that, you know, the work I put out is quality yes. work and, um, and so that's why you're paying for <laughs> for the, the quality of my yeah. work, you know. You mentioned about that waiting. It's like, you know, when you think about it, is it worth refinishing? You also have to ask yourself, am I willing to have to sit in my house for maybe months until the right buyer comes along who sees its value? Am I, am I comfortable with that? Do I have the space to have it just sit there? So I think also to consider your actual workspace or your house and if furniture can just sit there waiting for its, its right buyer. Exactly. Exactly. For me, um, if it's sitting, 
past a couple of weeks, I'm just like, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? Oh, really? Right. Or 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, Where did I go wrong? So impatient. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> is it time to repaint this? Like, what did I do wrong? What, what am I buying it? Well, I've right. had a piece it's waiting. It's a never ending thing with a furniture artist. Yeah. I had a piece really four months, is. four months just sitting in my house waiting for the right buyer. Oh my goodness. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm telling you like after a couple of weeks, I'm just like, you know, <clears throat> before, well, there's some pieces that will like sell like instantly, you know, and we love those. Yes. Right. But then when you have oh, like yeah. those ones that have been sitting like, even if they go like past the weekend, I'm just like, what did I do wrong? Like, what? Yep. Is it the wrong color? Like, I knew I should have went with that other color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should have exactly. went with what everybody told me to paint it. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing when you're talking before about these eclectic colors. Like, I'm always mesmerized by, by artists like yourself who do this bright pink. And I'm like, wow, like, I wish that I can be that creative in that regard but I'm so scared that I'm just gonna not get the right person like how do you feel about that what's the worst thing that could happen what's the worst thing that could happen repaint over it after it sets too long and you're not comfortable if you don't want to reduce your price after god forbid it last it's up for a year okay you could always <laughs> repaint it so that's why I don't get too stuck on that oh, so smart. it's just paint yeah. That's so smart. So, like yeah. to not to yeah. not live in that fear. Like that that's brilliant. Like it's so simple what you just said, but it makes well, sense. Painting is very therapeutic for me too. So I really enjoy mm -hmm. the process. So I don't mind some of them that take a while. I enjoy the process. Of, well, not always. Sometimes <laughs> I get that creative block and it's miserable. But um, yeah, it's it's just very therapeutic. I always feel. I never after I put my brush on, I always feel better. So oh, some days yeah. I don't feel like painting, you know, and I have to go in there. I'm like, all right. But once I do it, I'm like, that was such a good idea. But it's just getting yeah. myself to do it sometimes. But yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, and sometimes I wish I could just be more neutral, but I staying true to myself. It's just colorful. So that's why yeah. I try to stay there if I can. Well, you guys, you know, just listening to you guys talk about this, this is one of those conversations that could probably go on for a long time. And I would suspect <laughs> we'll have many more on the podcast because there's so many dynamics at play here. And here you talk about the fact that there's a lot of people stepping in, pricing things really low. I mean, the bottom line is if they're pricing them that low, the quality more than likely is not going to last. And the artistic skills probably aren't there. And I think that's uh, some of you have talked about that already. It's so important to remember who you are and what your calling is in furniture refinishing. And then it's an art. And I think when you look at that and you understand that, then you will go, you know what? I put a lot of work into this and it takes a lot of work to produce a quality piece. And so you have to stay true to that. And uh, just like, like you guys have said, sit on it for a while until it sells. Because I think a lot of, I think the industry is going to flush uh, a lot of that out. And, you know, I hate to be negative on people who are stepping in. It's not really negative on them as it is just negative on those that are stepping in um, just to make money. I mean, you know, that's their sole purpose and they think they can make a quick dollar. Uh, but again, how long are those pieces going to last? They're just not going to last very long. So true. Yeah, I appreciate all of you guys. You guys have added so much insight into the topic, and I'm sure you have given our listeners more to think about <laughs> uh, when making that all-important decision on whether a piece is worth the effort and can produce a profit, because there is a lot involved in those decisions. So very, very helpful. Special thank you to all three of you for joining us today. Congratulations once again. Yeah. Phenomenal accomplishments. Stay safe and stay well. You too. Thank you, Lane. Thank you, Lane. Today's refinishing tip comes from Ashley with Blue Wren Interiors. Hi everyone, it's Ashley from Blue Wren Interiors in Australia. This is a trick I recently used on a vintage sideboard and I'd seen this trick used a bunch of times before with other refinishes and this time I got to try it out for myself. So if you're missing a piece of moulding on your project, you can use a hot glue gun, a regular craft hot glue gun to make a simple mould. 
first of all, you want to use some kind of resistant like a wax before you put the hot glue on so you can easily peel off the glue once it's dried. Once I had my mould, I used a two-part builder's bog to fill it. Once that sets, you can peel it out and you can glue the moulded piece onto your project and fill and sand as you need. I've also got a highlight saved and a post on my page explaining what I did that you can go and check out. Great tip, Ashley. Thanks so much. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, this is Amberly from Redhead Redefine. This week, I'm prepping a beautiful vintage dresser that has a marble inlay. I'm going to be starting by cleaning and trying to lift some of the stains off of the marble, as well as resealing it so that it stays protected. I have a few minor repairs that I need to do to some of the woodworking, and then it will be prepped and ready for paint later this week. I'm also meeting with a new client to discuss some options for a piece that's going to sit in her dining room. She loves the modern farmhouse aesthetic, so we're going to be discussing how we can stay true to the heritage of her piece, all while giving her that modern and fresh feeling that she's craving. When we're finished, her piece is going to blend seamlessly in with her new decor and will hopefully be loved for many, many generations to come. Hey there, I'm Derek from The Grandson's Brush. And this week, I'm working on a couple different things. Uh, I guess I'll start off with this uh, neat set of oak nightstands uh, that I literally just got done painting in probably one of the coolest colors ever. Um, I'm so in love with this color. It's called Restoration Bronze by Melange Paints. I mean, it is just beautiful. And what is probably going to happen is um, I'll probably end up painting the majority of my house in this color because I like it so much. Um, the next thing uh, would be this Ethan Allen buffet. And I went ahead and did something very different, something I normally don't do. I ended up going with a boho look. I used about 10 different colors. Um, also some redesigned with Prima stencils, some redesigned with Prima stamps. And it is just such a unique and wild, uh, beautiful piece that uh, I'll be finishing up shortly, so stay tuned for that one. And then the last uh, thing is probably um, this MCM dresser, this mid-century dresser. I just finished cleaning it up last night. Um, I did have plans to go with a wood and bright color uh, look on it, but I feel like that's probably not gonna happen uh, just because the wood, it's, it's a bit iffy and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know. So I guess uh, just stay tuned for that one as well. Um, thanks so much, Zebra, for having me, and have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. This is Katie from Salvaged by K. Scott, and I'm juggling a few different furniture projects this week. First, I'm working on a thrifted mid-century dresser that is getting a really fun anthropology-inspired makeover with the help of some house and canvas paint and a fun new technique that I'll be making with my Cricut machine. Then I'll be working on a pretty traditional buffet restyle. And hopefully, if I have time by the end of the week, I can start working on flipping a dining table and chairs that I found out at the curb this weekend. And those will be keepers for my own home. Of course, I'm also documenting every step of these makeovers to share with you over on my YouTube channel. And I hope that you are all out there having fun, being creative too. Thanks for checking in. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. How many times have you picked up an old piece of furniture and wondered what the history was? If only these pieces could talk, right? Well, some of you have been more inquisitive and taken the time to do some homework to find out more about a piece that you have refinished and its history. These are incredible stories that need to be shared. We have created a new segment on our podcast called If This Piece Could Talk. You'll enjoy hearing from your fellow refinishers talk about the history of a piece, whether it's about the style and how it developed, or maybe it's a sweet story about a piece of furniture built and designed for a loved one. We'll also talk to experts who will give us some insight on how to go about learning the history of a piece. As a side note, if you know the story on your piece and you think it's a perfect fit for this segment, send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Stay tuned as we include these new segments in the upcoming podcast. 
When you hear the phrase furniture refinishing, you think of multiple things like painting, colors, exposed wood, all the hard work involved, and the beautiful results. But I imagine many of you think of the word distressed. That's right. So much of furniture refinishing consists of distressing. That's why our September Zebra View theme will be Distressed is Best. That means you can enter any piece you have designed and refinished during the month of September 2021 that has been distressed in some shape or form. We have excellent prize sponsors like Country Chic Paint, The Lawless Hardware, Surf Press Sanding, and Zebra Paint Brushes. You can learn more about this contest on all of the sponsors' Instagram accounts or our judges' accounts. We only ask that you don't get distressed about distressing. Let's keep that to the beautiful results that distressing produces. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on our EnjoyZebra.com site, along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Thank you.